broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. It's your host, C.W. Hall, here on Midtown Business Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day today. Joined, as always, on the board with Krista Baruch. What Did you almost forget my name? It's <laughs> no. only been a week. No, it's, you know, it's one of those days. We're off to a good start. What so. am I going to call her today? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm joined in studio today by uh, life and wellness coach Michaeline uh, Connor, also known as Mike. Apparently Mike Connor, like to go by Coach Mike Connor, Connor, whatever coach they call Connor. me, Coach Connor. And... Uh, you know, we got uh, familiar with each other actually through LinkedIn, which I'm finding is a you know great place to link up with colleagues uh, in the business world. And and uh, so once we became familiar, thought it might be good to have you come on and talk a little bit about how you're able to interface with folks and help them, um, you know, improve both their outlook in terms of how they deal with everyday stress, improve their overall level of fitness. So you know, kind of take me through a little bit about what you do, and uh, we can kind of dig down into some more of the things like you got a book in the in the works. Um, yes. We'll talk a little bit about yes. that. So, you know, help me understand how you'll help me with my outlook and then my physical well-being. Well, I'm going to give you kind of an analogy. I want you to think of your brain just like you think of your body, your muscles in your body, in fact. And how does a person become that amazing athlete you see? And it starts by conditioning the brain. You got to condition the brain. The amount of mental energy determines how your brain attends to your professional and personal life. It's as simple as that. So managing mental and physical energy, not just your time, is really key to your performance. So when, you're, when you sit down with someone for the first time, you know, what is it that you're kind of wanting to know? Are there certain types of questions that you want to find out about, you know, to get an idea of what their baseline situation is so that you can then kind of, because you mentioned the fact in, 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 in your biographical material a little bit about how you kind of start to change some mindsets that may be holding folks back. What are you trying to get to to uh, uncover where you maybe need to focus? Well, first of all, you know, everyone comes with a reason. If you don't have a reason, there's no reason to hire me to do anything. So, you know, some people have, uh, they're motivated by the fact they have a, a wedding coming up. But then you could have the father of the wedding as well who's motivated. I mean, one I just got is a, a guy in his mid-50s who says, hey, I want to lose 35 pounds. I want to look really great. Okay, that's a simple fix. If And you have to ask those questions. Uh, you know, you have to talk to me more about that when when you're coming for nutritional advice because I've got to know more than just uh, I'm overweight and I want to lose weight <laughs> you know right. um, and then there's the the girl that wants to look so toned for her wedding because she's wearing a strapless uh, Oscar de la Renta gown she's got to look amazing uh, that's a whole another quadrant so you have all these people coming with different reasons but regardless of the reason you're coming to me I've got to start whether they realize I'm doing it or not with their brain. How do they think about this change they're asking to happen, this transformation? You know, where do they want to go with it? Uh, how committed are they? So I go through, you know, the simple thing. What's your age? What's your height? You know, all the mm -hmm. basic profiling I've got to do to understand who the person is. And then after I do that, I, you know, I have to look at their medical background, of course, because I've got to do a, a medical history just to figure out 
the kind of person I'm dealing with. If they have gout, that's one problem. If they have heart disease, I've got to look at that. I mean, even if you're an athlete, if you're diabetic, you have to think about that. You know, so you've got to look at all the things that are going to affect the desired outcome. Mm-hmm. So those are the first questions you have to develop a rapport, an understanding of who they are, not just what they say they are. Because what people think they are versus what they put on paper sometimes are very different. Right. So I've got to listen for b- the notes between, between not, not the actual words. I want to look at their behavior. How do they interpret the things I'm saying to them? And then when we launch into coming up with a strategy, we've got to look at the type of strategy. And I don't just throw three or four things at them. I start small, one baby step. I want to see their commitment level, how they think about it, how they operate. Uh, and then that gives me the idea of how to communicate with them. Because everyone has different ways of communicating. And some people are more visual. Some people are more, uh, some people only want to deal by email, for instance. Mm-hmm. I need it bulleted in email. And <laughs> other people, I can't do that. you know. And they want you to talk to them. And um, I think rapport is really important. The understanding of how they learn, the understanding about how they think how they move, walk, talk. I want to see who they are. And so sometimes I'll spend a lot of time just watching and, you know, having general conversation because that general conversation they have is going to tell me whether they have a positive mindset, a negative mindset, whether they're happy about the event or they're not happy, what their concerns really are versus what they say they are. And so there's a lot of conversation I get into before I even consider what I'm really going to do. So I usually call our first couple meetings um, an awareness session. These are awareness sessions. Well, you know, I might not be very good. I said, it doesn't matter what you are. What matters is you're just going to be. Do you find that uh, that kind of tends to be kind of the starting point for a lot of the folks that end up linking up with you? Because I mean, from what I understand, you you work with business people and you talked about some celebrities that will engage with you. But do you find that it tends to be focused at the first on maybe they want to change something physically like you talked about? Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to lose some weight or change their body physically. But then you then kind of begin delving into more of the psychological um, aspects and then yeah. that's where you get to changing things that could potentially because you know here on the show our focus is really in the business to business arena and obviously right. i'm sure that uh, you're probably uh, working with clients who are in the business space um, you know so um, when you talked about the good brain bad brain how do you start kind of getting into that mm. um, such that you know they can make some changes that certainly help them achieve their physical goals but then also maybe make some uh, you know, philosophical changes, perhaps how they how their their perspective on certain issues that could potentially help them do better in business, for example. Well, that's that's the tricky part. You don't want them to close down, or you want them to uh, entertain. So I want them to entertain what I'm going to tell them. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily accept it. You don't have to buy in, but you need to entertain, and I you've got to understand what I'm saying. So there's a lot of paraphrasing that goes on, and a lot of suggesting that that life isn't um isn't this fine line there's a whole lot of gray that you can experiment in but if but if you really want to go from point a to this point c over here you're talking about these are the things that will do it now if you talk if they start talking about things that absolutely i know from 20 plus years of experience probably aren't going to be as effective i have to say well, that, that's interesting, and you can do that. 
but it may take you longer or you may not even achieve this desired outcome because you're not, uh, you may need to become more focused, more committed about what your agenda is. You're, you're straying off your own, your own vision, your own compelling vision, in fact. So I've got to know what that compelling vision is. Sometimes people don't really come with any thought other than I want to lose weight. Okay, that's a problem. Because losing weight is, is, that's ambiguous to me. There's so many things you can do to lose weight. Right. So I don't even go there. I want to know, is it a long-term thing? Are we running, any, is this an event? Or is this a continuum? Is this right. a life thing we're going to do? Right. So I've got to understand even more than that. But for business people, I think it's critical. I spent my first 15 plus years as a change management right. person in organizational change. So I... That's fine and dandy. I did all your top 10 consulting firms. I've come in and we've assessed the barriers to change. You know, how do you get um, a CEO and your CFO and your COO to to create the plan that's going to make all your change agents and targets change? And then I thought, what the heck? I really enjoy working with the targets. Well, when you talk about that in the corporate world, you know, a change agent or, yeah. you know, uh, folks that consultants that can come in and help with change what sorts of things are they typically trying to modify about their environment uh, or their culture that uh, you know that they want to go in a different direction well the biggest thing people are trying to be um, the the key word that everyone's using nowadays that has been uh, a key word kind of like your diet programs like um, what's the new what's the one everyone wants to do uh, there's all kinds of diet programs out there, and they're, they're key ones that you want to focus in on. Well, in the organizational field, everyone wants to be culturally consistent. You hire like-minded people to do like-minded things. But what they don't realize, that's like poor nutrition. Mm-hmm. If you hire like-minded people that do like-minded things, guess what? You don't get creative. Yeah, pretty soon you're in a silo. It's pretty much that way, but that's not how organizational change thinks. Why? Because organizational change has consistencies in beliefs, behaviors, and assumptions within an organization. They hire like-minded people. Therefore, if someone's a cowboy, they're not going to make it up. You know, it's like a salmon swimming upstream. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of the culturally culturally consistent uh things that corporations I don't have they haven't come to grips with they don't hire overly creative people or people that um, question the ground they walk on right and and I ask people to question the ground they walk on so if I was corporate um, or even if you're personal you have to have you have to identify your beliefs behaviors and assumptions about life because and you have to be authentic you can't say I'd like to there's no hedging life is not based off words, but off your behavior. Mm-hmm. And so behavior is the only thing I really look at when people, I'm with people, whether it's an organization or a person. Behavior matters. Everything else, they're words. Words are cheap. Anyone can have words. But back to, to you, what or organizations looking at, uh, they want to be have efficient people. And guess what? You can't have a bunch of efficient people working 24-7. You just can't. Now, I always make a joke with my clients. Do you need me to write a a note to your boss to let them know (laughs) that you're going to spend an extra hour with me or that you need some downtime or recovery time? And they just kind of laugh at me because we know that's not going to happen, right? 
you've got to have downtime. And as much as you need work time, you need that downtime. And as I said, the brain is uh, key to this because your brain's a muscle. Mm-hmm. Just like your, if you went and expended and and did a muscular workout for oh eight to ten hours in a day, what do you think you could do the next day? Not very much. But executives nowadays and the key players in their organizations and the staff underneath them, they're being asked to work. Not eight hours, 10 to 18 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. I know enough people to say honestly that most, and this is scary, (laughs) some of the doctors I know, physicians, internists, cardiologists, they get four hours of sleep a night. Okay, four hours. Four. That's it. Some of the executives, oh, I take power naps and I don't need more than uh, four to five hours of sleep. And these are executives now running big companies. Right. And then you have all their little staff staffers under them who are trying to climb the, the corporate ladder. And they get the same amount as well. That doesn't work. Your brain has to do a series of, uh, when, you, when you go to bed at night, your brain's still working. Right. I don't know if people realize this, but your right. brain works. Yeah. It needs to encode, just like a computer, and put all the information it learned away. So while you're sleeping, that's what's going on. It's encoding messages and decoding and filing and creating new pathways. So I find that um, corporations are not providing downtime avenues, just like training. So we're gonna train hard, but really training hard incorporation should be rethought it's just like circuit training right you have a burst of really good training you have to build and rest yeah you got you got adrenaline going and an act they show that those short bursts of say thinking or stressors whether they're positive or negative stressors what i like about it is it causes a, the memory to become more efficient but if you take that same memory and you put it through a lot of stress, positive or negative, it really doesn't matter, for long periods of time, guess what? The brain actually shrinks, and you can't think as well. It needed the recovery. So I I really would value if if, uh, corporations would start rethinking recovery time, rethinking it, maybe even building it into a day where you get your eyes off the screen and into another room with some, for the younger generation, for instance, some fun screens to work on, some things they want to really do, things they keep up with. And, and they don't have to, or gym time, physiological involvement and engagement is really important for the brain as well. Anything you can do. I mean, one of the things I did uh, for myself was, even though I'm physiolog- uh, I work out a lot and I uh, do a lot of reading and researching and studying, um, I plugged a language tape in my car okay two years ago I I did a French tape even though I had a French background and then this year I did Spanish well it wasn't the learning of the Spanish because you know how fluent can I get really you know Um, but it made the synaptics and the way I thought really sharp I became an amazing mental athlete not only did I memorize everything and it became automatic 
I really woke up every day, not just kind of awake, really awake. Do you find that there's a way that, you know, from a metrics perspective, everybody likes to measure things, mm-hmm. that, that, that is it possible to measure the changes that you can you know bring about through doing some of the things you're talking about where you maybe uh, identify some uh, opportunities to change the way you sleep, for example. Right. You, you build in more time. If, if somebody's committed to trying to make some personal changes and you recommend, for example, that you mm-hmm. identify that they're not sleeping enough, which, you know, there's some pretty good medical evidence out there that talks about that. But uh, do you find that there are some tools that one could use that, that can help them, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, see, w- see their progress uh, over time? You know, when you go to the gym and you start mm-hmm. working out and you start watching what you eat, you can kind of look in the mirror Yeah, you and see, see your bicep flex and you uh, go, oh, my right. God, I love that rip look. Uh, but I mean, you know, from a from the perspective of, you know, your mental performance, the way you feel mentally, I mean, do, are there things that you're using along the way? Or is it more of a kind of a subjective thing that the person begins to report subjectively? Oh, wow, I can't believe how much different I feel. Is that how it tends uh, to Well, it's or? kind of still, again, very, me- if you're going to take it to that level, then you have to look at the brain. You can only look at the brain under an under a brain scan or an MRI kind of scan, mm-hmm. right? So you can only see the changes Technically, that way, Dr. Amen is a really big writer, and he does that kind of scanning. He can see the changes of, uh, of how the brain is growing or shrinking and all that jazz. I mean, you, and I think you can get those scans for, I want to say, under $1,000, which isn't really practical for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to, again, go back to the, uh, the diet concept and think of the pair of pants you couldn't wear 10 years ago that you want to fit, <laughs> you know, and say, okay, here's how the, here's how my brain's going to work and, and pretend that brain has to get fit. Some of the things people need to do is they need to, as I we've already identified sleeping. Well, nutrition's a big part too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's a lot of lifestyle changes people can make and, but that will make a huge difference. Um, for instance, the sleep component, the nutrition component, the uh, recovery component, how you handle emotions, all those things change the way your brain fires. And then, But when we get into it, you have to look at it this way. The brain, regardless, um, in the nutritional component, needs to be balanced. Um, and so your, your, your uh, consumption, no matter what it is, is going to determine also how your brain thinks. Uh, this this society does um, too many recreational drugs and too many regular prescription drugs, and honestly, just too much, plainly too much alcohol. I mean, I'm not saying not to drink. I'm a fun-loving person, um, love to have a good laugh, uh, love to have a drink now and then, but it just doesn't work for the brain. It really doesn't work. And not only that, it interferes with digestion. And, and this is probably a little side topic, but a lot of people have acid reflux. Right. Okay. It's a huge problem in the States. Okay. So here's the deal. They, what you're going to do is you need to eat more efficiently to have an efficient brain. So you don't want these lifestyle diseases. You don't want to be taking acid reflux, Nexium, or any antacid, and and then at the same time um, eat the wrong foods that precipitate the need for that. Yeah. And, and then get this one. Now, this is even better now. You're taking the antacid because the doctor says you need it. He doesn't tell you to go on a diet or a vocal wellness diet. He says, well, here's some Nexium. 
or take this antiacid, right? Okay, then what you don't realize, for, for women, for instance, then your bones start thinning, as do men, taking antiacids. Now, right. also thyroid medication does that too, by the way. So you're doing all of this, and then all of a sudden, your doctor says, you need Actinel and Boniva. You know, those are bone builders. Okay, so now you're taking a bone builder. But if you check the, the, the package on the bone builder, it says it gives acid reflux. <laughs> so, Isn't that interesting? It is. I just wanted to share that because I'm in the business to know. I'm, I'm the person that, that learns and knows and can share with you. Once I look at your stuff, I go, wow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are you're going in one big rut. Um, so if I was going to ask someone to be a mental athlete, I'd say, okay, cut your drinking down completely. I, I know this sounds sad. I know it's football season, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but there's always something to celebrate, right? I mean, if there's not a wedding, three or four of them, there's football season. If right. there's not football season, some right. some always holiday. A good reason, yeah. I mean, there's always a reason to drink, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, there's always a reason to do whatever people say they're going to do because in their mind they've rationalized. How to do it. And that's another thing that mental athletes need to do. They need to reframe their lives. They Mm -hmm. need to be reframers. They need to think differently um, about the mental preparation they use when they're going to engage in an event. So really, um, it's about, mm, I'd say 90%, uh, it's 10% about what you're doing and 90% how you're preparing for it, regardless. And there's numerous quotes and studies on that so and even your athletes they spend 90 percent of the time practicing what they're going to do for 10 percent of the time right so so i would um back to your question again what what could these people do they could have better nutrition they could change the way they think instead of being an um a negative mindset most of the time or worst case scenarioing things how about having a more optimistic mindset or having a realistic mindset some people just aren't realistic about their time for instance they're they don't build in what i call the futz factor you got to build the futz factor in especially at work you know the computer's not going to be perfect all the time you know i mean hello right (laughs) it's called and that that measures out to over five hours a week for any given person in terms of building in time where something doesn't go quite like you right. expect it Five, to on schedule or whatever it may be. At least. And they have to build the futz factor in when you drive from one point oh, yeah. to another, to meetings. You never <laughs> Especially know. Especially in Atlanta. Absolutely. Well, you know, in New York City, L.A., mm-hmm. I've, I've worked in Tokyo. I've worked in Barcelona. I've worked all over the world. I don't think traffic's any better anywhere. You know, people are basically the same. But here in the U.S., we are totally on we are on i mean we have reality tv coming out our ears anything we see on tv we believe anything we read we believe most of it it's it's, it's fiction mm-hmm. we've been talking with mike connor the life and wellness coach and uh, one of the things that you mentioned uh, as we're sitting around before the show you talk about resilience and and having a resilient mindset can you talk a little bit about that before we have to go yeah absolutely um when i refer to resilience i'm talking about your brain's capacity to absorb daily mental stressors positive or negative and strain when encountering adversity or a challenging situation so um when referring to resilience what do I mean exactly? Resilient thinkers, well, they, they've developed the ability to rebound from life's disruption. The resilient mental athlete is able to 
take on high levels of disruption and stressors while displaying minimal dysfunction. And that's basically what it is. You have to display uh, minimal dysfunction. Think of a hurdler. They don't know what the track's really going to be like. They're going to have to hurdle. They practice forever hurdling, right? And don't you think coming into work every day is like jumping hurdles? Mm -hmm. That's how I think of it. So they, they take those hurdles, and they have to literally take the hurdle like a swan and hit the ground like a tiger. Every single hurdle. And if you, let's say, if you, if you condition your body, um, and I'm not talking about an athlete now, if you condition your body reasonably, just minimally even, Eat correctly. Minimize the drugs you take that you don't really need. I'm not talking about if a doctor says you need a heart med, you got to take a heart med. Um, but you should also question why you're taking all the meds and do you really need those uh, to perform. And then you start looking at your mental attitude. Get rid of the stressors in your life. I hate to say this, ladies, but if you're causing your man stress, he should dump you. <laughs> I mean, well, it's true. And, and vice versa. If right. a woman's giving you too much, she's high maintenance, get rid of her. Anything that brings you stress, dump it. Start, you know, either interpret it, reframe it, make it the best thing since sliced bread, or get rid of it. You've got to start streamlining your life. And all those things help you become a better mental athlete. You know, the eating right, the stressors, learning how to manage your emotions, how to, what men are very good at is compartmentalizing. Women have to expand on everything. They expand that conversation for, like me right now, forever and ever we're going to talk. Uh, men are just very, well, what does it mean for me? What does it do? I mean, I have to get really good at knowing how to address types of people, the, the way they want it. Some people just want it cut and dry. This is it. it. This is what we're going to do. And I'll see you next week. And we'll take a measurement. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know if I've answered everything. So whenever I'm, you know, one of those folks that's, you know, maybe I'm a business executive that's listening mm -hmm. to the show or, uh, you know, somebody that's just wanting to make some personal changes. How do I interface with you? Um, what's the experience like? Do I, is it kind of a, kind of like what it, you would expect to see in a, you know, personal trainer where I'm going to link up with the, my coach on a mm -hmm. regular rhythm? Um, how does that flow? How do I link up with you? And then kind of what can I expect going as we get started? I guess it's kind of like writing a um, sitcom. You're a sitcom, and when you come, <laughs> and when you come to me, I don't know where the sitcom's going to go yet. I just wrote the first part. I'm meeting so and so on this day, and we meet up, and I go, "Wow, oh, I met this person. They have long wavy hair, and blah, 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 you know." And the, and I'm writing the sitcom. This person wants to do all these things. Okay, then I, if they say like today, all I want to do is talk. We talk. If they want to train, we train. But during that process, I'm doing everything in my mind. I'm doing everything. I'm analyzing, not not judging them now. Analyzing mm -hmm. is very different than judgment. Sure. I'm analyzing who they are and how they move, walk, and talk. That's what I do. Now, if someone wants to just bring me in and say, okay, I want to talk about my life, coaching, my corporate, whatever, I'm fully versed in in careers. I know exactly what corporate America is doing. So I can sit down and say, okay, what are your barriers right now? We can talk very specifically. Uh, what is your corporate vision? Where do you want to go versus your corporate vision? And, and really get into the nuts and bolts about them, where they want to go. Now, um, so I can do it on whatever level, but I have to write the sitcom. I can't come in with a, with a script because no one's going to fit a script 
no one is made the same. No one thinks the same. Everyone has different baggage. And some people have freaking trunks, you know. So <laughs> I, I want to say that, that, you know, you just have to look at life as curious. I mean, I find people really curious. Like I wear, I get up every morning and put on Teflon because so their stuff doesn't stick to me. <laughs> I can, I, I, yeah, I sure slide through, right? I can slide through. I call myself an urban, an urban um architect or an urban archaeologist in the sense that my my walls my digs are corporate america their gyms their therapist's office that hire me to work with their clients it's whomever you know because i do work with doctors as well and they want me to come in and do very specific things they don't feel comfortable doing because i guess they want to keep their clients <laughs> you're saying they you you will have some physicians who link you up with patients. Is that what right? You're right. See. You know, they link me with patients. It could be a psychologist. It could be a therapist. It could be, uh, let's say, an internist or a you know GYN or an OBGYN who says, "I've got a client that needs something very specific." You know, and it just depends. You know, what it is they need, what it is they want, and then I have to determine whether I feel I can fill that bill or provide the quality of care and concern they need. So you're able to, uh, obviously you have a relationship with a, a local country club where you provide some of your mm -hmm. services on site on an ongoing right. basis. But uh, from what I understand, you're actually able to do some of your life and wellness coaching on, on location. Right. I actually like the business or a client. Right. Yeah. I can go on location. I can go to the classroom for them. I can go to the boardroom for them. I can go into the gymnasium for them. But I'm only at uh, Capital City Country Club, City Club of Buckhead which is another club I'm at, and the Monarch Athletic Club, which is part of Corporate Sport Unlimited, Inc. Those are the three primary locations that I do actually training, you know, personal training. Uh, outside of that, I can go anywhere. I see. It really doesn't matter. Well, uh, the, the radio, it must be a time machine because every time I get on here, I know, I'm always like, wow, over. really? <laughs> We've been talking for 30 minutes. Um, but, um, you know, I know that you have some online presence both on social media and websites. So, for mm -hmm. share with that with the listeners so they can link up with you there. Well, um, you can go to LinkedIn. I'm under Coach Connor. Uh, you can also go to my website, which I do for members or anybody in the universe that wants some important information, and that's coachconnor.com, and that's Connor with an E-R, so coach, C-O-A-C-H-C-O-N-N-E-R.com. Okay. Um, am I allowed to give out my cell phone that I use? If, you're, I have if a 20 you want folks to call you on it, then uh, <laughs> okay. absolutely. I have a 24-7 cell phone because I use that for my celebrity people as well because they might have a meltdown at 1 in the morning. 404-358-3250. Mm. Uh, Again, 404-358-3250. I'm on Facebook. Um, I have two presents, but neither present do I show my dogs, <laughs> cats, family, friends. Uh, I don't do wild parties. So right. it's best to go to my co uh, my uh, my Coach Connor page. It's a professional page. So it's facebook.com slash Coach Connor with an ER. Yeah, with an ER, okay. yeah. You okay. got it. And uh, obviously, we'll try to link up with you through the uh, Midtown Business Radio sites. Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us there if you haven't linked up with us already on the Midtown Business Radio show sites. At Twitter, um, we're at Midtown BRX. And, of course, on Facebook.com slash Midtown BRX. We'll be happy to link up with you there so that folks uh, can't remember or, oh. or whatever it may be. They can follow uh, with you there and, and get your information yeah. that way as well. Um, 
Thank you for taking time out oh, of your busy I schedule. I understand you. you're getting ready to jump out of here and go and uh, help Pilates somebody. for golfers. <laughs> I have a guy hired me to do TRX uh, slash uh, Pilates in the afternoon today so he can improve his golf swing because I do those that particular program for City Club and for Capital City. Improve your business, improve your swing with Coach Connor. <laughs> <laughs> there Thank you, you go. <laughs> I like that one. Well, thanks again for everybody for making Midtown Business so uh, a part of your afternoon. Make sure you tune in same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you.